uh, I hope you guys have recovered from the last couple of weeks on this worship series. Uh, we've, uh, we've been coming at you guys pretty hard. The, the first week was all about the fact that worship is a full body workout. So we've been challenged physically, right? Like we have, uh, we may not uh, have grown up raising our hands. We may not have grown up kneeling and bowing or uh, jumping or whatever. But we see in scripture that there's some pretty important and pretty prominent people that do those things. And so it's okay for us to do those things. And there's freedom in the house to do those things, right? There will be. Yeah, there is. There is. You can't deny it. There is freedom in the house for that, and it's okay. And I've seen and heard of people, like, creeping into the carrying the TV thing, you know? Um, and it's, they're, 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 it's just getting there, man. It's okay. Baby steps. And then last week, we talked about bring your best, and you guys endured a whole talk on giving, which was, uh, which was a challenge. So we've been financially challenged. Some of us were financially challenged well before that, right? Amen. Somebody say amen. So um, we said give God our first and best and trust him to bless the rest. Um, that was last week. Next week is going to be bring your heart. The idea there that the heart of worship is our heart in worship. So we're going to be thinking about that and spending some time there. But today is all about bring your brain. Thinking can be worship. But overthinking can kill worship. Um, I, I think about these things, and in, in, uh, we're going to get after that one. We're going to look at Joseph specifically today, and we'll get to him in a second. The overarching uh, passage in Scripture that we have been talking about is this one from Matthew 2, 1 and 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They came to what? Worship him. And so these guys have been waiting for centuries for the Messiah to be born. They were not Jewish. They came from 900 plus miles away. They moved themselves from where they were to where Jesus was. And the whole point of their trip was to worship him, to give him their gifts, and to really celebrate the birth of the Messiah. And, uh, and that's our, our big question for this series is this, is how am I going to move from where I am to where God is? And we get it, God is everywhere. But when it comes to our thinking, our hearts, our behavior, our actions, our attitudes, those are all things that can move from where they are to where God really wants them to be. You guys down? This is the question that I'm challenging you to wrestle with during the week to say, you know what, how do I move where I'm at to where God is and really see God move in my life? I know that many of you, um, 160 plus of you, are going through 30 days to Jesus first. Um, just a quick note on that. Um, it's a daily, uh, daily workout that you're getting for your soul every morning. Um, it's amazing, and uh, we've got people doing those in California, Iowa, Florida, all over the country. So that momentum is happening, and you're getting challenged, and that's what I want us all to do this week is to challenge ourselves to think about how do we um, grow closer to Jesus during the most obvious time of year to do it, right? So how many of you guys um, have ever uh, met someone that you really thought had no common sense whatsoever? Yeah. Like, common sense is not so common, right? And, uh, yeah, and so uh, let's start here. You know, common sense, a couple of definitions. Common sense is a collection of unwritten rules that people need not be told, 
right? That would be what it's supposed to be. Another way to say it is that it's the ability, common sense is the ability to think and behave in a reasonable way and make good decisions, right? Makes sense. Um, another way to say it is ordinary good sense and judgment. But it does seem that people sometimes are just dumb enough that most, in most cases, common sense things need to be written down into a rule. You guys ever see signs that you're like, why is that a sign? Yeah, like, cross the street when the traffic is not moving, right? That, okay, like, we need to, yeah, if you don't understand that, you probably can't read anyway, right? Um, uh, Annalise, when she was little, she, she was, like, getting mad about the rabbits eating all the flowers. You guys have heard this story, many of you have, and so she was, like, talking to her grandma. She said, Nani, why can't we just make a sign that, for the rabbits that says, do not eat, you know, this is just common sense, right? Um, now, this one, you know, this one's all for the guys because we laugh at, you know, stuff like this. But um, I once was made aware of a sign at a pool that said, if you have explosive diarrhea, do not swim in the pool. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Why is that a sign? It's because, right? Somebody, yeah. Like, what? This is not Okay. Um, but seriously, though, when it comes to decision-making, our life path and navigating our life path is not filled with common sense questions, typically, right? Our decisions about life are very, very difficult. We don't have a really good way to say, oh, yeah, cut and dry, man, no worries, just make a common sense choice on that. But really, our life is full of mountains and valleys, tar pits, detours, monsters, and mirages, all those things. Anybody been any of those places in life? Yeah? And I think this today is about this classic battle between our feelings, our emotions, and our logic. By the way, God gave us both of them for a reason. And this is the classic battle. It's between our emotions and our logic. And um, as, we, uh, as we think about that, maybe you've been in a, in, a, in a setting or a church or a group where you've been told, like, hey, you know what? You need to just uh, put your logic aside and just have blind faith, brother. Like, you just need to just trust the good Lord. It doesn't matter what all the data says. It doesn't matter if you're in the hole. It doesn't matter if she says she hates you. You know, trust the Lord, man. Just trust the Lord. It's not in, trust your gut. And some of us have been told, you know, what you need to do is you need to, uh, to really just kind of like cap and contain your emotions. You need to really not give in to your emotions because emotions are evil. Emotions are bad things. Um, and, and I don't know where you're at today, but I want you to wrestle with that. Are you more logical in the way that you approach your faith or are you more emotional in the way that you uh, approach your faith? Because I think that that um, battle is where it's at. Now, when we get it wrong, right, when we, when we go all in on feelings or all in on logic, we see smart people make stupid decisions, right? Have you guys, and I said stupid, all right, so this happens, right? So when you think about like poor health choices, like you mean if I eat all this sugar, I'm going to gain weight and I'm going to feel horrible? What? Like I don't understand. 
or maybe some poor financial choices. Do you mean that I need to have the money before I purchase the item? Like, that's interesting. I didn't know. Or poor relational choices. Ladies, like, you know, you mean that if he's like, if he's a jerk now, you mean I can't change him later? Like, I thought I was going to work some magic. Um, or work choices, like, hey, you know what, if you spend all, if I spend all of my time at work, you mean I'm going to regret that someday? Okay, yeah, like these are things that we kind of go all in on either side and we can kind of figure out. Now, here's the kind of the phrase that pays. The key to this battle is understanding the purpose of emotions and the purpose of logic and learning how they can work together to fuel your faith. I'm going to say it again. The key is understanding the purpose of emotions and logic and how and learning how they work together to fuel your faith. This is the key. Um, I mean, how many of you parents out there have ever lost a kid? Lost a kid in a grocery store or what have you, right? Um, Sarah's youngest brother, Drew, literally left the house when he was like three or four and they found him across the street at a jewel store. Like literally, yes, I'm not kidding. This is parenting fail. Call the authorities. So... Amazing story, but um, this is a big deal. But just think if you are in charge of the Son of God. <laughs> like, you're just taking care of the Messiah. You know, you're freaking out at the grocery store. He's in aisle six and you're aisle 10. You've got the Son of God in your care, and you're supposed to keep this baby alive no matter what. I do think that there is, uh, the stakes are a little higher, right? And so Joseph is who we're going to look at. Um, if you guys don't know, Josh told me about this. Um, the Killers and Elton John wrote a song about Joseph in circa 2008, all y'all music fans. Um, and it's called Joseph, Better You Than Me. And it's a great song, but it's very true because, uh, yeah, we'll see in just a second. All right, so let's do this. Let's pray. We're going to be in Matthew 1. Heavenly Father, we need to dive into this and we need to wrestle with the battle of our emotions and our logic and understanding how they work together and how they work together to fuel our faith. Lord, I pray, God, right now that all fear is gone. All of our baggage we walked in with, we're going to lay it down right now. Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to speak to us directly, and you're going to show us exactly, Lord God, how we can move forward today and get, grow closer to you. We thank you, God, for that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 1, if you're going to follow along, it's on the screen as well. Matthew 1, um, verse 18 through 25, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit this is a problem. Note, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
So when we look at this passage, let's unpack it a little bit and understand what's really going on here and try to get ourselves in the mind of Joseph for a second. First of all, some facts emerge. Mary is pregnant. That's a problem, right? We are are looking at this from a 2017, almost 2018 perspective, but common sense would say this is not okay. It's a violation of the law that it says that Joseph was faithful to. And so another fact is that, that he's faithful to the law, that this is not okay, that this is... um, this common sense here would, be, would say what we need to do and I need to do is I need to divorce her quietly. I don't want to bring her to public dis- dis- disgrace. And he uses his heart for her is there, right? You can kind of see that. He doesn't want, I mean, if she, this is the way that the old, uh, the tradition of um, the Jews at this time would be, would be that they would be betrothed for a year. And Mary would not go to live with Joseph for a year. And in that year, if both stayed pure, they would demonstrate love for each other. And then then Joseph would bring her home as his wife. How many of you know that this does not look so pure when she's pregnant during that time? She's not living with him at the moment. And this is a problem. And so as he looks at it, the facts are emerging that this needs to happen. I need to divorce her. This is logical. This makes sense. I'm faithful to the law. If I bring her into the public square, she will be stoned. This is not okay. I'm not going to do that. And then we see some emotions emerge on top of that logic is that he's afraid to bring her home. Rumors. All kinds of baggage there. All kinds of stuff that's going to happen that is going to be in the community. How is that going to happen? But then, how many of you guys wish you had an angel just telling you what to do? Right? Then an angel shows up and says, listen, I'm going to give you some other facts that you're not aware of. Right? These facts are the fact that you have to keep Mary as your wife. Bring her home. You have to decide between your emotions, which you're afraid to bring her home, your logic, which says this is not okay, and me, the angel, that's saying, you know what, this is okay, this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God. And a decision then emerges. And Joseph, it says, does what the angel said to do. He had to choose to base his decision on what his logic said initially, this is not okay. Or what his logic would say, the angel said, okay, I need to just be okay with this. I need to take her home. I need to care for this child. And his emotions, which probably were like, I don't want all the disgrace to follow me all around. But he had to make that choice. And as he thinks it through, he uses his mind and his heart together to make the choice to follow what the angel says. Um, But I think... He had to think about what he was doing, what the ramifications would be, logically and from emotionally, if he were to do what the angel would say to do. He had to use both of his um, logic and emotions together. And, And this is just the beginning of his travel. He had to integrate his emotions and logic to make a decision of faith. Now, there are four dreams we're looking at. That was just number one. Everybody say dream number two. This is after the Magi had left, and it's in in Matthew 2. It says this, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. 
The angel says, get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but at this point, after the second visit from an angel, I would have lots of questions. First of all, I've already traveled 80 miles or so to get to Bethlehem. Now you're telling me that I have to get the kid and the mom all the way to Egypt. How am I going to do that? What time, how, what, what, how do I move a toddler and a young mom another 60, 70 miles into Egypt, minimum? And how do I do that? Because literally, we're peasants. Remember, Mary and Joseph are peasants. It says that when they brought Jesus to the temple, that they offered uh, a sacrifice of two birds. And that means that they didn't have enough money for a lamb. So they are peasants. And now we're taking a road trip all the way to Egypt. How in the world are we going to pay for that? Anybody try to figure out how to pay for stuff lately? Christmas time, right? And so anybody have any ideas about how they pay for their trip to Egypt? Anybody got any ideas? Hit me. Come on. They, they use some frankincense, right? No, the, probably the gold. Most people, most scholars would say that the gold that was given by the Magi is what Joseph used to fund the trip to Egypt. Now, interestingly enough, we look at what he did after that dream, right? Um, he, it says this in verse 14. It just says this. So he got up. And he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Interesting. He didn't just get up. Now, if it was me, I'm, this is why I'm, I'm not Joseph. It's a, well, I am, but I'm not that Joseph, right? So he gets, he get, if I would have got up, I would have looked at Mary and been like, I just had this weird dream, man, that we're supposed to take a road trip to Egypt. Someone's going to come try to kill Jesus. I don't know. It's really crazy. I I feel like we have his college fund now from the Magi. This is going to be, we can't spend that. All of a sudden, he just gets up, and he just goes, and he has to think about, think about this. It doesn't say like he strategized and all that stuff, but he left at night. Why? Because it was smart. He was smart. He was going to go under the cover of darkness so he could get out of Dodge without anybody knowing it. He's using his brain, guys, to keep Jesus alive. The angel didn't say, leave at night, but he figured that out. Look at what's happening here, guys. He is understanding and he's using his brain. Everybody see dream number three. All right, here it is. This is after Herod dies. An angel of, of the Lord appeared to, in a dream to Joseph. Now, if I was Joseph, I would be on no dose. I would not be going to sleep, right? Because these, these dreams are not okay. Like, every time I go to sleep, an angel shows up and I'm, I'm on a road trip again. So the angel says... Get up again, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. I have more questions. Like, why? okay, what is happening? How am I supposed to get back? Where am I supposed to go? But here in verse 21, it just simply says this. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. There is something about this act of faith that is almost just this logical God's telling me what to do. I'm doing it. I'm going to have the logic enough to know that God's best is what I want, and I'm going to make that decision. My feelings need to get set aside. But his feelings rise up. And everybody say, dream number four. This is verse 22. But when Joseph heard that Arch 
Archelaus, we'll just call him, or Archie, was reigning in Judea. And anybody have the pronunci- correct pronunciation? Talk to me afterwards. Was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod. He was afraid to go there. How many of you guys know that um, fear is an emotion? Right? So Joseph was afraid to go there. Why was he afraid? was because of Herod's son, Archelaus, was a guy that um, was known to be very violent. Legend says that he went to the temple and had the temple raided one day to kill 3,000 people that were kind of insurgents against him. This guy was pretty ruthless. He was pretty violent, pretty bloodthirsty. And so Joseph was afraid to go there. Having been warned in another dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So we have an interesting dichotomy here. We have an emotion coupled with a decision to follow God. God says to go back to Israel. Now, Joseph has a fear. The angel affirms that fear and says, okay, then go to this place. And what's really interesting about that is that sometimes we can have fear that is unfounded. We can have a lot of voices in our head that are calling us out and telling us a lot of things that we shouldn't be listening to, right? But there are times when we might have a gut on something. We might have a fear about something. We might have a little bit of a check in our spirit about something to say, you know what, maybe I need to hold off on this a second and seek the Lord on this. And the angel affirms that fear, that emotion, and he couples that with his logic and makes a choice to go somewhere different. This whole time out I don't know where you're at theologically on some of this stuff. Um, And some of you are like, you know what? I'm all about the theology, Joe. I'm all about it. I don't really care about the music as much. That's kind of, you know, the emotion thing. I'm not really down. I'm really more about that. And maybe some of you are like, I just love the worship. I can't believe it. Archelius, just call him Archie. That's fine. No big deal. Like, I I just, can we, can Josh come up here real quick? You know, can that just happen now? And, um, And so I don't know where you're at with those things. But sometimes God can kind of drop an emotion in you because he's trying to show you something. He's trying to communicate with you. Uh, And so it's kind of like sometimes our emotions should be leading us and sometimes our logic should be leading us. Sometimes they, well, all the time, they need to be working together. Now, a few years ago, um, guilty confession, I took dance lessons with Sarah. Yeah. Dude. (laughs) <laughs> and so she's in there teaching, and I don't think she can hear me, but if she can, it's all good. Uh, I'll throw her on the bus. So now, when you dance, everybody, who is supposed to lead? The guy, right? So the common phrase that our t- instructor would tell us every single week when we went to dance lessons is she would say, Sarah, you gotta let him lead. And the problem was, is that counting to four is a lot for me, all right? Like, that's a lot. And, there, and by the way, there is no hope for me in terms of dancing. But we got a couple of moves down. And, and the interesting thing is, is that there were times when I had no idea where I was at. And she would lead a little bit, or a lot, depending. And, and there were times when I was like, yes, okay, cool. We can actually stay on beat because I, I lost count. I don't know where I'm at. It's one, two, what? Uh, And it's the same way with our emotions and with our logic. There's times when we're going to need to allow our emotions to lead us a little bit and our logic to follow that. And there's going to be times when our logic needs to lead 
and our emotions need to follow that. I think the dancing illustration is so, so key. Um, we've been saying this big idea, but thinking can be worship. Overthinking can kill worship. Do you realize that Joseph could have really, really overanalyzed what the angel was asking him to do? He could have just like sat down with, you know, uh, you know, a, an iPad or whatever, and just written out all the different things that like, oh, these are all the reasons why I shouldn't leave and go to Egypt and why I'm afraid to go there. He could have done that. He could have overanalyzed it, got, gone into paralysis over that. But I would say this, that feeling can be worship as well, but overfeeling can kill worship too. That if your feelings are almost trumping what logic says, there's times when that's okay. But it's up to you to be able to hear the voice of God, to sense his direction in your life and understand how the two can work together to lead you and make a decision that will fuel your faith. Do you guys understand how difficult that is? There's a lot of us in the room that have severed relationships over emotion. There's a lot of us that have severed relationships over logic. And so this battle is so, so important for us to tackle. Um, no, seriously, Josh, come on up here a second. So I don't know if you understand, like when it comes to worship and how our brain and our mind can worship God, that worship, when this stuff happens up here, that there's a lot of science that's happening, right? So I wanted to talk about, I don't know where this is going to go. We haven't talked a whole lot about this, but I wanted to talk at least about how many of you music, music, or musicians out there, and you know what a metronome is, okay? Good job. So we call it the click. It's a click that is in their ears. And so when they get up here, it's not like they all look at each other and go like, ready? Okay, let's go. Like, they are not doing that. They, are, they have a click in their ear that you never hear that keeps them on beat. And Josh, what would happen if their a was the beat was or the click was too slow we start to slow down and sing like no well no and it's too slow right no one wants everyone wants me to stop right uh, and if it's too fast we're saying like no well no well and no one's like that's not okay either it's got to be right well yeah you want to find a, a tempo that's easy to sing along with but also it it's the most musically inept person on stage can still follow along with the rest of us. There you go. That's something you have to think about because depending on who, like when I play, I don't play from like technically speaking, logically speaking, you know, taking the kind of like thinking about God out of it for this moment. It's like, I want to play so that it's easy for everyone to follow along with me who's on stage because the thing is is if we don't feel comfortable and we don't know what we're doing no one out here is going to feel comfortable and feel like they know what they're doing so i think it starts with having to think very logically about the science involved before we even get to some sort of communal aspect and i i went through this kind of phase where i really it really bothered me that i thought like that in certain things because i mean obviously you're like well you, you want to be good because you don't want to be distracting um, because you want people to like think about God. And you know, it's just like, I, I, I felt so strongly that and then I'm just like, but do I focus too much on like not sucking, you know? Like, and that's something that I struggled with. And I, there was this big turning point in my life. I've talked to some of you about this where 
I think I had a disconnect of what was worship, what was actually worship. Because of course there's times to reflect and pray and just like be wrapped up in, in who God is and what he is. And a lot of times that's what happens on Sunday. But also there's this idea of like God made you a certain way and he made me a certain way and he made me good at certain things. He made you good at certain things. And same with all of you. There's certain things that like God made you for that when you develop those and you hone those things and you pour time into that thing, like those things, like that makes God happy. That's worship. It's worship. In its, you, you could argue that's worship in its purest form is, is making sure that if I'm making sure that I play notes right in time and in rhythm with each other, not only is that something that sounds good, but it's something that's straight up worship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yet in that, in the logic of us thinking through this, we all get to worship and think about how good God is as a byproduct of that. So let's talk about Chris Tomlin for a second. Okay. We don't do a lot of Chris Tomlin here. Now, my, I'm not a musician, and so the, the way that I understand it is that you just don't like him. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm sure kidding. he's a sweet man. He's probably I, a sweet man. I would man. have brunch with him and yeah. just enjoy it. Like, yeah. I would love to pick his brain. That would be amazing. Yeah, no, Let's... I'm sure he's a sweet guy. Yeah. He's a little guy. And yeah. Just, yeah, that is <laughs> He is small. He's a small yeah. guy. But here, here's what I'm thinking. Now, I've heard that the songs that he writes typically are too, hold on, too high. We're getting really into the science of it. We're getting into this the science. This is like, too high most people, for, are, you're going to be left behind. Yeah, too That's high okay. for guys, too low for girls. Yeah, yeah. His voice is really high for a man that okay. almost no men can sing with it. And yet it's too low for a lot of girls. Like, if you listen to a Chris Tomlin song and you try to sing, you will know. You'll be like, uh, uh, no, <laughs> why? You know, God of wonders, I can't sing. Um, no, it's like, yeah. And it's also a part of it's like preference is like, it plays a role into it too. Is I don't feel comfortable singing Chris Tomlin's songs. Just how they're phrased, how the, the melody is written. That's just, just a preference. I personally feel. Yeah. You know, but that's, it's a, again, that doesn't really matter. Chris, if you're listening to the podcast, we love you. It's all good. Oh, no, uh, yeah. Nothing but love. Somebody's going to tag him on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, but... And, and obviously you can change the key so that it's easier to sing in if you're a man or a woman. Yeah, that's so, not hard to so like, that's an interesting thing because there's times when I don't really understand all that because we'll talk about what the songs for a weekend. I'll be like, well, how about this song? And then he'll be like, yeah. Let me go no, on a quick tangent, okay? okay? Make it quick. Okay, I'm going to make this as quick as I can. So a major key, like A major, F major, I'm sure all of you have like heard that sort of thing. That's a type of mode, okay? A mode means... Wow, it's music time. Okay. Music time this with is, Josh. You guys know that? You've heard that sound before? So that's the key of C. That's all white keys. So that means I start on middle C, which most people know what that is, you know? This is where the two I black know. keys are and the left one. That's C. And then that's the next C. Then that's the next one. Okay, those are all Cs, right? If I go C to C, I talked with some, of the, some people about this at my house last week. So. All that is, we're trained to hear that scale as I skip one note, which is the black key, and then I go to the next one. So it's like, I'm here. He's playing the piano on the wall. It's never one. happened before. I go to this one, and I go to this one, and then this one is right next to each other. So it's a, I skip that, so that's a half step, and then this is a whole step because there's one in the middle. So it's half, half. Anybody oh, lost? Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> 
whole half, Dude. whole, whole, whole half. And, and people who have studied music know that, because it's whole step, whole step, these two are next to each other. Whole step, whole step, whole step, half step. And we're conditioned to hear that scale like this. So if I memorize where to start from, I could start, I can start here on this note, and I go whole step, whole step. So it's like here. It sounds like the exact same, but I'm hitting totally different keys. Oh. Which, so bringing it back, the, the mode of a major scale, it means I start on C and end on C and it's all white keys. If I do A, it means there's three sharps, there's three black keys. But I memorize in my brain what that sounds like and what notes to play. So, Chris Tomlin sings God of Wonders in C. Ain't nobody gonna sing that in C. That's too high. So you gotta lower that, man. So you gotta take that mode and like slide it down. So it all has to do with taking this same structure popping it somewhere else. And you just thought that they and Scott Farron And this play. is like, like, this is like not even scratching the surface. This is just like, me just like. So let's talk this about. This is like a slight rub on the surface. <laughs> let's talk oh, about jazz playing. theory for a second. No. no all right. No. <laughs> I mean, all right. yes, so not now. Let's get the, well, let's see. Um, what should we do next? I, okay, so let's just do this. Let's just wrap and a that's, couple of that's things. That's just tonal stuff. Yeah, like, we're I know. just talking about tonal things. We're not even talking about rhythm. Rhythm is the most important thing. You can play everything wrong, but if you're not in sync, you sound awful. Yeah, you guys appreciate the fact that that's going into what you guys experience. That that's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. What is happening? You know, like it's got to be right. If they don't worship God with their brain while they're playing, then you guys aren't going to sing, and it's going to be a horrible experience. And the Holy Spirit's going to be like, I'm out. You know. <laughs> so let's bring it back. A few things that you can do with your brain this week. Number one, you can dedicate your mind in, to knowing God. That's number one. Um, dedicate your mind to knowing God. This is actually an interesting thought because listen to what I'm saying. Dedicating your mind to knowing God. And second, to think clearly and truly about who God is, what his character is, his attributes, is so, so key. And then three, is not being satisfied with merely an intellectual assent of who God is, but to allow your emotions to come into your thinking. Some of us have guarded our emotions so much that we've never turned our thinking and our logic over to our emotions to where they really can have the proper dance. And some of us have held on to our emotions and not been logical and need to do the opposite. Um, I think that what is really interesting, and this is the good news for this battle, is that I truly believe that where do you sense the difference and where you need to focus and where you need to understand that balance and that integration is in the presence of God. It's in the presence of God. It's in his word. It's, it's in developing your relationship with Christ. That's how you will begin to understand what is the right move to make. Because everybody in the room has a different move to make. Everybody has a different distance, a different place to come from in terms of where you're at and where you or God wants you to be with him. And um, we're going to watch a baptism video in just a minute. And Ray Marquez is going to be baptized in second service, and it's pretty exciting stuff. But there's a lot that he'll even mention the fact that he was afraid to be baptized. 
And the emotion was controlling that decision. And then he was able to kind of set that fear aside and to do what Scripture says, which is to be baptized. I think um, this phrase is something I'll leave you guys with, is this, that I believe that the presence of God is what calms our fears and corrects our thinking. Man, this time of year, um, some friends that have lost loved ones this, this year are just really, I mean, Christmas can be hard. And, and the, the faith that just whittles away and just the weakness of faith that can be felt, but that presence of God and being able to say, okay, God, I'm in your presence. I, I, I'm going to release all these emotions, this sadness, anger, all of these, this confusion, and I want, God, I just need you. And sometimes it's just sitting quietly before God and allowing him to take the, the stuff in your life and to calm those fears and maybe to correct your thinking about who he is. Um, Joseph could have uh, done one of these, which, man, I've been guilty of saying this, and I, I know probably most of us have been. The angel comes to Joseph, and, he, and he, the angel says, you know, what you need to do is you need to, uh, to marry Mary. You need to take her home as your wife. Angel comes again and says, you need to go to Egypt. Angel comes again, you need to go back to Israel. I don't know about there. He says, go here. All those four dreams, what Joseph could have said, he could have said, he says, you know what? I just woke up, Mary. I think we're supposed to go to Egypt, but if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. You know, if God really wants that door to open for me, then the door, he'll open that door. So Mary, let's just go back to sleep right now and let's just trust God that right now, if it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. How many of you are glad that he did not do that? You see, I believe there is, yep, there was a plan in place. Some would argue theologically that there is no way that Jesus was ever in danger or anything. But I personally, I think that there was a reason why God was intervening. It was because the mission was to keep the baby alive. And Joseph could not have an attitude to say, well, I mean, if he's supposed to stay alive, he'll stay alive. Right? So, as you guys think about where you're at and where you need to move today, um, I just pray, man, that that dance between your emotions and your logic will become something that you can move with throughout your life, starting today. So, uh, we're going to watch... Raise video now. And um, before we do, Amy, I'm just going to pray and then we'll watch it. Here we go. Heavenly Father, you're so worthy of so much more of our worship. And uh, Lord, I think I even tend, my brain, it tends to, to like err on the side of figuring things out and fixing things and trying to cross the T's and dot the I's. And, and my brain, my mind, Lord, it needs to be renewed. Romans 12, 2, God, that, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, our minds need to be renewed by you every single day. So God, as we, uh, as we get ready to worship and as we get to see one of our very own in the community taking a step beyond fear to say, I believe and I'm making a decision to follow you. Lord, I pray that we would do the same today. In Jesus' name. So my name is Ray Marquez. I'm a junior Olivet. Um,
growing up, I didn't really have a faith because uh, my family didn't really go to church, and so um, I didn't really either. So my biggest challenge was um, when I did start believing um, and having a relationship with Christ, it was hard for me because I didn't have a foundation, um, and plus I didn't have, I kind of felt alone in a way because no one else in my family was really um, pursuing a faith either. Um, however, God placed people throughout my life that really um, led me to start going to church, um, go to Olivet, um, second place, uh, and eventually kind of embrace my own faith um, for for me um, to live out my ways um, for God. My relationship with Jesus has really changed because um, after coming to college, I learned that it's really it's okay to um, to struggle, um, because we all do, and some of us may even have the same same struggles that um, that we that we might have, and I didn't know that. Um, so I really learned to uh, get out of my comfort zone and be able to, to be vulnerable with people, and so God has been teaching me um, teaching me that. In Proverbs three verses five through six, it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding." In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And so this verse really means a lot to me because um, I, I have to, I've learned that I need to make God uh, my first priority. And with that, he, he gives us so many things. He gives us strength, peace, patience, and joy, and much more than we can imagine. And so through these things, I... Um, I have learned to turn to him and, um, you know, not, not focus on, you know, how I want to do my things, uh, or how I want to do, um, how I want to get through, you know, stress or, you know, get through my day. The moment I knew I was going to get baptized, um, was when Joe was, uh, he was preaching a sermon and he, he was talking about, um, offerings and giving and stuff. And he kind of switched it up, um, and said, and you're afraid to get baptized because you're afraid of what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. And I, that's in that moment, I realized that I was kind of afraid because um, I sometimes, you know, go back and forth with my thoughts. And I knew that that's not how, it's not how I'm going to live out my faith. I can't do that. And I have to just completely devote myself to God. Um, in that moment, I was I was trembling um, as we worshipped the Lord, and that's when I knew um, I have to get baptized as soon as possible. I want to get baptized because um, I see it as a um, as a testament that I want to devote my whole life to that I am devoting my whole life to um, the Lord, and that everything that I obey Him, and that everything I do and say. Is for His glory and not my own. Um, and something I pray every day um, is, um, you know, Lord, when they see me, they see you. And that I would reflect everything um, that you have lived out. And that I would live like you did. And everything I say and do for you.